This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, we have many people who are eager to be on the podcast. And when I explained how our guests are selected, that is, it's somehow tied to the Toastmaster magazine, our guest decided to submit an article. And voila, he is a guest on our podcast and a great story to tell. Ryan, who are we speaking with today? Today's guest is Phil Wilkerson III. He's an employer engagement consultant at George Mason University Career Services. He is a member of GMU Toastmasters and Alpha Toastmasters 1906 and Area 21 Director for District 29. He hosts the Positive Filter podcast, which focuses on well-being and Toastmasters. Phil lives with his wife and two sons in Fairfax, Virginia. He shares his story in the December 2023 issue of the Toastmaster magazine. The article is called A Toastmaster's Education, My Four Years of Membership Has Been Equivalent to Receiving a Degree. Philip Wilkerson III, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I love the intro. It kind of aligns with how I pursued my wife, right? <laughs> she tells me you got to come back and you got to prove yourself to date me. And so uh, when I heard uh, Greg said, hey, you know, we'd love to have you on a guest. You have to be a, be an article or have a feature. I took that as a, a positive thing. I took that as, okay, I will take that as a challenge. I wrote that as a goal and wrote an article. So I appreciate when people tell me things like come back another time or you have to do this because all it does is add to my journey and, and I accept challenges. So thank you, Greg, for encouraging me that because another way is that I also had to strengthen my writing and put myself out there in another uh, avenue. So I appreciate um, the encouragement to submit an article to the Toastmasters magazine. You're so welcome. And of course, your story really, really resonated with Ryan and I, because often we've heard how Toastmasters is likened to to a master's degree. In fact, in December 2019, so exactly four years ago, Deepak Gupta, he's the former president of a Toastmasters club in New Delhi. He was quoted in the magazine. And I have the quote here. It says, I learned more in one year serving as a club president than I did in two years of completing my MBA. So when we saw your story, not only the fact that you went through the process, you got an article written, we just thought, you know what, I think this would be a really, really good conversation to have. Yes. And, you know, I work in education. I think what really drew me to Toastmasters in the first place was the fact that it was a curriculum-based skill-building program, right? That it had something where you had to go through learning modules. I would love to learn. I'm actually enrolled in a PhD program right now. And so I like the structure of education. I'm one of those people that like to learn but I also like to learn if it's organized with the curriculum and that it has like a kind of like an end goal, but carrots along the way. Right. Like I like getting diplomas. I like getting certificates. I like proving that I've gone through the rigor of education and earned something. And so Toastmasters in general, the, the structure of it aligns with that kind of competitive goal setting, achievement focused person that I am. I like to I like to win or accomplish things. And so going through and knowing that there's pathways and that you had to do projects, I actually got excited for that. I actually like the projects that they have in Pathways because it challenges me, but also has organization and structure, and I like that. Nice. 
Philip, I know part of what drew you to Toastmasters, as as you share in your article, it wasn't that you had a fear of public speaking like so many do, but you said, uh, I'm quoting here, in fact, I got excited about it and tended to go off on rants and rambles. And then you also say that you needed structure and a way to harness your personality and extroversion into a polished skill. I wonder if you could talk more about that. What... Um, Prior to Toastmasters, what was it like for you when you did have an opportunity to speak? How would you, how would you show up on stage, so to speak? Wing it, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> just show up and talk. And you know, I did a lot of presentations. My role before I'm the employer engagement consultant, I was actually like a career counselor, so I would do a lot of presentations in front of classes and students. And so I was up there in front of audiences all the time. And, you know, sometimes I'd read the slides or whatever the presentation materials were, but then I would just go. One of the things that really struck out over my time, this is later on, but one of my good frat brothers, uh, Shane Gilmore, told me that confidence is one thing, but you lose credibility when you're confident and you're not efficient. Like how many times have you met someone that's like overconfident, but not really that skilled, right? Mm -hmm. Like they think they're the best at basketball and can't make a free throw, right? For me, Toastmasters was a way to build not only, I already had the confidence, but build the capacity for an audience to believe me and make me credible. You know, if I wasn't refined with my speeches or wasn't refined with my presentations, while I might be saying the best things and having the best stage presence, I've already lost my audience or already lost the people that I'm trying to educate. And so for me, it was more so a way for me to be refined that when I deliver a message, the message landed because I was not only passionate about what I was talking about, but I was credible. I was easy to comprehend. I was concise. I got to the point. And so that was kind of me. Like I, I'd never been shy. I share this story all the time. When I was a kid, I remember a teacher used to move. She would move me. She's like, I always got high marks. But even before we had A, B, and C, we used to have like, you know, like when you're not going to the, when you're in like elementary school, sometimes you don't get like A, B, and C, you get like outstanding, satisfactory, needs work or needs improvement. And I got all these great marks on my, he can read, he can do his math, he can do his uh, fractions, whatever. But they always got that he talked too much. So <laughs> the teacher would move me from like one desk to the next. And I remember one time, I think it was like third grade, I told my teacher, I was like, I don't care where you move me, I'm going to talk to my neighbor. That was just my personality type. I always was comfortable talking to new people and meeting new people. And, and so I just wanted to be more refined. I wanted to be more polished. I wanted to, when I was confident that my skill set matched that confidence, so that I was more credible with the audience. Yeah, I'm hearing that you also needed a, wait for it, filter. <laughs> oh, yeah p-h-i-l-t-e-r yeah. yeah so phil you said that you've had four transformative years you mentioned about being a little bit more refined a little bit more polished can you maybe give us a little example of a, maybe a before and after type thing i just remember during my time where i said the same speech twice one time i didn't prepare kind of won it second time i wrote it out word for word or at least wrote out bullet points, rehearsed a few times and said it again and actually got the feedback that the second time was better. They said that the content, the passion was there for both speeches, but it was clear and more concise. And so when I heard that feedback, I was like, okay, when I do slow down and I sign up for a speaker slot, maybe taking a day or two and actually writing out my thoughts on a piece of paper, 
before I do my speech sounded way better than when I sign up for a speech that morning and wing it. Every time I've actually wrote out my speech and actually rehearsed it more than once, it goes way better. One concrete example that is not the best speech, but I said the best time, I think I felt like I was in the zone, is that when my father-in-law passed away recently, I wrote out his eulogy. I wanted to do a speech at his, uh, his celebration of life. And I think for the first time, I think that was the only time in my speaker's journey where I, I think I said that speech at least six, seven times, different audiences, different clubs, uh, wrote it out. And when I actually did that speech in front of an audience at his ceremonial life with no notes, everyone came up to me and said, Philip, I could tell Toastmasters is paying off or wow, like, how did you talk like that? Even my own dad was like, thanks, son. Like, where do you get that from? <laughs> that was showing me that when I do slow down and actually think about what I say and wrote it out and practice the pausing and throw in the storytelling and all that, that would be where I can thrive. So I try to do it. Do I actually write out all my speeches now? No. Do I actually still sign up the day of and do a speech that day? Yes. But also understand that sometimes when I really, really have time to prepare and really allow myself time to prepare, I can I can be a better speaker and I can I can deliver way more efficiently when I slow down. So I still try to do that from time to time for things that are really important to me in front of audiences that are bigger. I really try to slow down and write it out and be prepared. Sounds like you take your feedback to heart and you learn from it. That's wonderful. Yeah, I always learn too. one of the things that I've learned about leadership is that I've never been angry about constructive feedback. Keyword is constructive. It builds you up. And so I've had mentors pull me to the side and tell me things. Hearing sometimes hard truths or feedback, if you're not open to it, people stop giving you advice. So I learned early on to like really lower defensiveness and take feedback that more and more people will give you feedback. And you can also filter it. Once again, filter it to say what is useful and what's not but allowing people that opportunity to actually come and approach you, being approachable, you get some really good advice. So I really try to like put my ego to the side when I get you know feedback like, oh, you need to slow down or you need to pace or that was good. Well, how about say this word or that word and not get so defensive and say, yeah, but, 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 and have like always a response. Sometimes just being quiet and you know nodding your head and saying, thank you. Um, I've taken that feedback and it's helped me a lot better than being defensive. You know, more than just feedback, I'm referring back to the article, because in the article, you specifically reference your mentor, Regina, Regina, I'm not sure her name, how you yeah, pronounce Regina, her name. Regina Fulkerson, yeah. And your club president, Christy Michaels, your past District 29 director, having been instrumental in sparking your leadership journey. So I know we were talking about communication, but I'm I'm really curious, Phil, we're still in some uncharted waters, right? Having emerged from the what's gone on in the past few years. What advice would you give club officers today to try to encourage individuals to take on those leadership roles within the club? I think one of the things that really encouraged individual club leadership was one-on-one mentorship, one-on-one connections, one-on-one people pulling you up. I think one thing that GMU Toastmasters does really well is that we actually, shout out to Heather Akinavich, is that when we have new members, uh, she looks down the roster and sees, you know, looks for a more seasoned person and says that individual seasoned person will be connected one-on-one, right? Because if you get like listserv emails or reminders, 
it kind of goes over your head. But if you get like a one-on-one communication, like someone individually saying, hey, when is your next speech? Or when are you doing that? Uh, that drives home. Regina, fortunately for me, was the one-on-one mentor assigned to me, or she chose me. And so having that direct one-on-one person saying, hey, we're going to have new roles coming up next year. I think you should do this. She actually, it wasn't like a mass email. It wasn't like, oh, elections are coming. It was actually one individual person that reached out to me and said, hey, I think you can do this. And I said, okay, I think that really draws you in. And so I really try to do that now. I have a mentee in Toastmasters, uh, Geneva Northfleet. And I remember specifically paying it forward. I remember specifically when we had the, the turnaround for new roles, I reached out to Geneva and said, hey, I think you should do a role this year. Like you've been in the club six months. I thought that's good enough, right? You've been in here for six months. Why don't you try a role for this year? And so this, she's going into her second year as our VP of E, which is a big role. You know, I think supposedly in Toastmasters, the VP is right after president because they have a lot of responsibility in the club, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that I think would get people encouraged is like one-on-one individuals reaching out to other people within their club and saying, I believe in you and you can do this. And that literally is all, my whole Toastmasters journey has been one-on-one. Mentioned Rick Taylor. Individually, he called me one day and said, can we have a phone call? I said, okay, what about? And he called me and he like almost pitched me like, you know, you could do an area thing. You know, you have to do the area director position to get your DTM. I said, okay, I I didn't even really investigate uh, what area directors do. You know, I, I didn't really care to know about beyond my club <laughs> it's kind of you get in your bubble but it was the fact that someone like rick actually said let's meet or call me to the side that's what brought me in and so i think all these things are relationship built and i think a lot of people don't know what they don't know and usually it's one person that exposed them to a world that's bigger than them like yeah. the world that's bigger than our club level was the district i didn't know much about the district individual club meeting that's all you know is your little your little bubble there and then you get exposed to a bigger world and now, you know, because of Rick and the area leadership, not that I'm going to pursue leadership beyond the district, but I've seen Toastmasters larger now. You know, I've seen, you know, these region people and all this stuff because of just exposure. And I think that's that individual one-on-one relationships that expose you to, to new worlds. So that would be my encouragement. One-on-one people directing and connecting with people and pulling each other up. <laughs> you may not even realize this, Phil, but Regina and Christy and Rick they're all great fishermen because that's what I call these mentors that we have because they come out with their virtual fishing rod and in no time, voila, you're a club officer. <laughs> yeah. I will say this too, they're con artists because <laughs> cause what they did is they don't tell you how hard it is or whatever. They're like, oh, trust me, you can do that. And they, they, very, they simplify it, right? They're like, what you got to do? And they like explain it in like two seconds. You're like, oh, that's that don't sound that bad. And then you're like, oh, snap, I got kind of played here. I'm, <laughs> I got all these meetings. <laughs> um, but it's a positive thing. And I think, I think the thing, too, that I've learned from all this is that you want to transition. You want to leave something better than when you started, right? And you know that your time is limited, right? Like, I can't be this role forever. And so the best thing to do, I mean, just organizationally, is to, you know, develop other leaders, right? That transition plan. Because you're not going to be a certain role forever, right? And the best thing to do, like, if you got to pass it off to someone else, make sure that person's prepared or feels confident, feels encouraged and supported. Because that's the cycle, right? If, if people hold on to titles and power and there's no transition to the next person, uh, that's going to be a detriment to the organization, right? And, you know, I think that's one of the things that we are kind of struggling with in Toastmasters is that 
a lot of people don't want to do the next role. Sometimes the same people cycle through the higher positions, right? The same district directors and the same this, because I guess one, people don't know, uh, they think they they put it on a pedestal. They don't believe that they can do it themselves. Or two, it's just not cycled that way. They're not, and so I think a lot of, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, districts work on these like kind of leadership cohorts to like make sure like that they do have a cycle of people that kind of go through the ranks of club leadership, area leadership, regional leadership. That's how the organization thrives. And mm-hmm. that mirrors a lot of my other organization, Alpha Phi Alpha. It's, the structure is very similar. That's why I thought they should combine because that's the same thing. We have area leadership. We have district leadership. We have regional leadership. It's, it's very aligned and, and making sure that the new leaders are groomed and prepared keeps the organization going. I'd love to pick up on that thread of Alpha Phi Alpha. Philip, you mentioned earlier that you weren't initially weren't that interested in anything beyond your club, but then you had this idea to create a new club. I, I suppose you could call it your I have a dream moment yes. in Toastmasters. And and there's more behind that comment. I'll invite you to explain that. Tell the story. Tell us a little bit about the fraternity and how you saw this marriage between the fraternity and Toastmasters. Well, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated is the first intercollegiate black fraternity in the United States. Uh, It was founded in 1906 on the campus of Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, on an ice cold Tuesday, December 4th. Knowing that uh, this organization has been committed to developing leaders, you know, for over 117 years, we have notable members, I like to say brother, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jesse Owens, Thurgood Marshall, Lionel Ritchie. I know I randomly throw Ronald Ritchie out there, Kenny Ivory Waynes, Andrew Young, phenomenal leaders. Wow. I joined, uh, you can join historically black fraternities both in undergrad and college, or as we like to call it, alumni chapters that are not affiliated with a college, but more so affiliated with a geographic location. So I was very blessed to join Alpha in 2017. Uh, as a member of the Theta Rho Lambda chapter, which is a, related to Arlington, Alexandria uh, in Virginia. So we're dual seated. We have that region, Arlington and the city of Alexandria. And as I was going through my alpha journey, because I started in 2017 and joined my Toastmasters journey in 2019, I just started to see so many parallels. Our mission statement has a development of leaders as well. You know, that's in our mission statement and that's in Toastmasters mission statement. Uh, so many great leaders, as I said earlier, were just great speakers. They knew how to talk and motivate people. I'll, I'll say this kind of selfishly. I knew that part of my DTM, I needed to sponsor a club. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to sponsor a club, let me sponsor a club that means something to me. That's something that I would really want to be a part of. So what I did is I just reached out to any brother of Alpha. Um, I said, hey, I'm going to start a Toastmasters club for only Alphas because, you know, we have so many brothers that want to be better speakers in their profession and their in their roles in life. Uh, we've had great speakers. I don't think I would have been able to do this pre-COVID knowing that I could, you know, charter a club that's virtual only and meets, you know, brothers all over the country. It was just a, I think it was just a, ma- a marriage made in heaven. It, it just, it just made the most sense. You know, two organizations that are committed to leadership, two organizations that have great speakers, 
And so I just did a call to action. I just threw it out there. I was in uh, Facebook groups for my frat. I was in group me's. I was just, when I met brothers at chapter meetings, I was just plugging it and saying, who would do it? Who wants to do this? God willing, it was chartered in uh, March, March 28th of this year. Congratulations. Phil, that's not selfish. It's brilliant and it's and it's meant to be. And I know Ryan has something to add. Oh yeah. It's also like the combination of the head and heart. You had this goal in your head, but you combined it with something that you were passionate about that meant something to you. Now you've, uh, in more ways than one, but this uh, Alpha Club is just another example of the mark that you've left on the organization. I ain't gonna lie. I think concurrently has been my most proud moment in both organizations. You know, I think that as we think about legacy and like, what can I add? As I said earlier, there's so many great leaders. It feels like, yeah, you know, I, I got my doctorate. Well, how many doctorates do we have? Like everyone, you know, we got Dr. Martin Luther King, like, uh, and so for me, just creating a legacy and, and creating something that I felt was historic meant a lot, right? Like going down and alpha history, right? I, I printed out my certificate with great pride and put charter member, you know, like I chartered something um, and did it along with uh, 26 other brothers, right? We, we had like almost 30 charter members of our, our club. That's a point of pride for me. That definitely is a point of pride uh, within history, the history of Toastmasters and the history of alpha. Very important to me. One of my pride points too, is that this is something that we have a saying in our fraternity called in spiritu de fraternity. What can I do for the fraternity? Not what the fraternity can do for me. And mm-hmm. I felt like I contributed something like I'm providing a tool to develop other leaders and hopefully help other brothers in my fraternity. And that makes me very prideful. I've actually helped other people in my fraternity. Like I've been helped and I have an opportunity to mentor people again. Once again, newer members of, of our Toastmasters club, I've done those same things that uh, I've had done to me where individually I have people that I text and say, hey, when is your next speech? Or I think, you mm-hmm. you know, I needed new people that never even done Toastmasters to be a role. Like we're starting a club. Here you go. You're an officer. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing, right? I love that fisher mindset. Like I have an opportunity to fish in that sense. And hopefully that pays it forward. And uh, recently you had the the world champion, right? The world champion of public speaking. Mm, Jocelyn. Yeah, Jocelyn. I'm not one to to be shy. I looked, I reached out to her on LinkedIn and I was like, I'm so amazed at what you're doing. She said, Philip, I'm amazed. I might try to charter a Toastmasters club for my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta, right? And so maybe this will be the the marriage of two organizations, you know, all these organizations that are committed to leadership. I think Toastmasters has a great space in this to like really be a complement to so many leadership organizations. I think that public speaking and being able to communicate is critical to leadership. Any organization can use Toastmasters, honestly. We've seen that we've seen workspaces use it. We've seen sponsored clubs, but why not service-oriented organizations too? You know, I think they need coaching on leadership and public speaking as well. Absolutely. Certainly a combination of head and heart. And I was thinking those famous words, I think it was past international president Mohammed Murad when he spoke with us. He talked about the head and the heart. Yeah, I love it. I always think about that. That's funny too. It's not the first time I heard that because I always say people really connect, right? They want to feel emotionally connected to your your stories and all that stuff. But you also have to have a, a mindset of logic and facts and combine that, combine that logic and combine that emotional response. Never thought of it like 
as applied to this story with Toastmasters, but now it does make perfect sense. Like something I'm very passionate about, but also I had to go about it in a very logical way, right? Like I knew when I started to, when also when I started a club in my mindset too, I was like, what's something that could be evergreen? You know, there's always going to be members of Alpha, right? I think, you know, sometimes clubs that struggle with uh, retention are ones that are connected to a community, but ones that are already attached to a pre-existing system, they thrive. Like, so George Mason Toastmasters was actually a good model because we're at George Mason. That university is always going to be around. And so having a Toastmasters club connected to that university, we can always have an opportunity to recruit new people and throw it on the listserv and throw it in the communication channels that are already pre-existing at that university that we've never really, knock on wood, have struggled with membership at George Mason. And so when I thought about that chartering a new club, I'm like, we're always going to have members of Alpha Phi Alpha. We're probably, hopefully, knock on wood, we're not going to struggle with members there either. So I do like that emotional and logical standpoint. Excellent. Phil, tell us a little bit about your podcast, Positive Filter. Again, I love it. P-H-I-L-T-E-R, a good play on your name. It's funny too. That's another thing that predates Toastmasters, but I could see Toastmasters making it better. So I was, before I joined George Mason, I was at a job. I wasn't as super motivated. And so what I would do is I would get in my car and I would do these things called random rambles of Philip Wilkerson. And I would just talk and and they're they're still up on YouTube. So if you want to see them, you want to see these like random car videos. And I realized early on, I was like, this is boring. Like I'm just sitting in my car, but I like the talking aspect. So I reached out to one of my friends and I said, I heard about a thing called podcast, which is like a radio show. Can you tell me about it? And this was back in 2016. And my friend told me about podcasting. And I just started doing the podcasting route rather than the YouTube videos in my car, interviewing people and asking them questions about their career. And I love it. I just love, for me, podcasting has been a way for me to kind of archive my thoughts in the moment, but also archive and go back. I revisit old episodes and, and still catch new things that I've interviewed people. I've interviewed my father, who was the, the first black uh, student at VMI. I've interviewed you know, presidents of universities and things like that. I think, once again, the marriage of Toastmasters helped my podcast. As I became a member of Toastmasters, I became a better interviewer and moderator of my podcast, as well as a better active listener. Even in one of our pathways, one of the projects is active listening. So even that, even in just my creative endeavors, Toastmasters has been beneficial. But for me, podcasting is just a way to share ideas, share the stories of my family and friends and guests. And uh, so just a passion project for sure. That's awesome. And folks, if you've had a positive podcasting experience with Phil today. (laughs) I encourage you to share the episode with your family and friends and fellow Toastmasters. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Google, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you find your podcasts. And if you want to find yourself on the Toastmasters podcast, Perhaps you could make a submission to my turn. You can check out episode 125 where we talk a little bit about that and also check out the submissions page at the Toastmasters International website in the magazine section. We'll certainly put that information in the show notes, Ryan. And Phil, just a final question for you. How can our listeners get in touch? How can they find the Positive Filter podcast and see what else you're up to? You know, just to give a plug, you can find George Mason Toastmasters and Alpha Toastmasters 1906 on Instagram and Facebook. We have a page for that. So I want to plug those two clubs that are really important to me. 
as well as District 29, Toastmasters, and all those channels. Uh, for me individually, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on that platform, Philip Wilkerson. And then for Positive Filter, my podcast, similar to the Toastmasters podcast, it is available on Spotify, Apple, and all the podcasting listen, listening platforms. Just make sure you spell filter with a PH because I'm smart, <laughs> positive, and then filter P-H-I-L-T-E-R. You can find that on all the platforms. Um, and I definitely encourage and, and love feedback on that or people that like to be guests. I'm, I always do like a similar to this podcast. If you have a great idea and you want your story to be shared, I love having guests of all different industries to learn. So I'm very open to to that too. Philip Wilkerson III, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on the program today. And we wish you all the best in the future. I really appreciate the opportunity and thank you so much. Thank you, Phil. Ever imagined a book written just for you? Introducing Books.ai. We're not just another bookstore. We're the future of reading. Our state-of-the-art AI adapts each book to your specific needs, creating a personalized masterpiece. Visit Pooks.ai now, that's P-O-O-K-S dot A-I, and use the promotion code SPOTIFY for a whopping 50% off. Pooks.ai, your personalized book awaits.